podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome once again to the Leeds That Podcast. I'm Paul and today I'm joined by James. Hello, good morning actually. We're recording it in the morning. Anyone yep. could listen at any time, such as the nature of podcast listening. Yeah, and it could be morning for us and it could be night time for someone in on the other side of the world where we've got our multitudes of followers. <laughs> That's how time works. It's amazing. <laughs> and I'll tell you also how time works. There's been three games since we last uh, got to speak with one another and uh, we're going to have a little run through those and any of the off-the-field things that have caught our attention during that period of time. So... We're not going to start with the most recent. Let's go back. We absolutely smashed Fulham nil-nil. Deservedly booked our place at, at Arsenal. What did you think to the Fulham game? There was It was a good chance for a few of the players, the younger players, to be blooded, which I think is, was really positive. And, but I did say we're not going to win in London, and technically we didn't. So we, you know, we won on a penalty shootout, which was a good penalty shootout, actually. There were some good penalties. I fell asleep because I can't handle the nerves of a penalty shootout, so I watched it the uh, the next morning. I made sure I woke up at 6.30, watched the highlights. It's like, yes, we won. That's good. That's really uh, funny. <laughs> it's not funny. That's my mental state. I don't think it was the best of performances, but equally, there were standout moments, and I think that game was crucial for what happened next, which was Charlie Creswell getting his first team uh, proper Premier League debut on 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 the Saturday, which we'll come to talk to you. And uh, I was incredibly excited by. But other than that, it was just a case of putting a team out. I think he did want to win. They were relatively unlucky. They had some good chances, but it's onwards and upwards to the uh, Emirates. Yeah, we always seem to land there, don't we, in the Cup? On Matthew's birthday, so there's, uh, maybe it's got to be a birthday present, or maybe it'll ruin it for him. We shall <laughs> see. I don't did know what see, kind of team Arsenal will play. Did you see that they'd um, potentially reduce the capacity? Was it down from like 7,000 to 5,000? Is that true? They've gone from 8,500, I think, to 5,200 due to persistent yeah. standing in previous encounters. It's just uh, like if you believe conspiracy theorists, it's just that we make so much noise they wanted to dim us a little bit. Like, doesn't don't away fans stand at every game anyway? Is I <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a, a club turn up to um to Ellen Road and sit down. Well, maybe the odd one or two here and I there. I don't know what did Watford do yesterday. There was a distinct difference between the Watford fans and the West Ham fans. Yeah, I mean they were more like trees, though, weren't they? They were just sort of there. And standing. <laughs> be a tree. Be a Watford fan. I said this to us. Oh, we'll go, yeah, we'll take it now. So we're on the bus out to the ground yesterday and chatting to some really nice Watford fans. And they're just pleasant people. They're just nice people. And they were like, this is weird. You won't get any bother from us. We don't get that uh, animated. I was like, yeah, I know. You walked out of Cardiff in 2006 looking like you'd blooming lost and it was us that were devastated so yeah yeah they're a funny old club aren't they is Elton John still the owner yeah well, I don't know <laughs> I don't sorry I just saw some Elton John chant references but I don't really want to give that too much time or attention Um, but we're skipping ahead we're skipping ahead so I think Fulham yeah it was 
ultimately, cliche, job done. Job done in London, sort of. Although, sadly, our friend uh, Adam Vorshaw seemed to take a penalty that uh, went on forever and injured him. He's back out again. Is it a thigh tear or something like that? Something along those lines. And the club has said, essentially, if you, it, it wouldn't be that significant, but if you've been out for two years, it's more significant. And it's, I really feel for him because it looked like he was going to have the opportunity to at least show that he could be a potential answer to a, not necessarily a problem, but a an area that we definitely are lighter in the middle of the pitch. And I, I believe the club have also kind of referenced in the summer that he was someone that they were counting into their plans. So losing him again leaves a lot of pressure on Click and Dallas as it is at the moment. We're just so light on bodies in that area. Andrea Radrizani was a bit harsh when he, I think a tweet asked who's the answer to our central midfield problems and it was Adam Forshaw and I think that's lumping a lot of pressure on Adam Forshaw. I get the sentiment of why why he's saying it, you know, it's kind of, but equally it does land a bit of focus on Adam and you think, "Mm, does he really deserve that? His ultimate goal is to just get back playing football and try and get up to that level. Yeah, what he's tried to do there is support him. What he's actually done there is throwing him under the bus yeah exactly. exposed him a little bit so that was one of the tweets you could probably could have ignored Andrea <laughs> could have left that one so then it was on to the West Ham game which um, you you decided not to attend I don't say that that makes me sound like some sort of criminal I, I booked I booked tickets to um, a West End show in uh, well a musical for my wife at Christmas Little did I know, or little did I think, that it would go ahead because of the pandemic. <laughs> um, well, what, did, what did you go and see? Uh, we went to see a musical called Hamilton. I don't know if you've yeah. heard of it. But, right. um, yeah. Was it good? It was good, actually. Yeah, it was very yeah. good. And and uh, um, at the interval, I was checking the score, and I was like, my brother-in-law was there as well, and he was like, oh, you're, you're always on your phone. I was like, I'm just checking the lead score. And I was scrolling through, and I saw that we were 1-0 up, and... It all looked rosy and everyone on Twitter was very happy. I thought, oh, well, I'll turn my phone off. Don't need to check on that. And it the, finished yeah, but and I logged the in. The problem and, is that you went ugh. with your brother-in-law. It's your brother-in-law, I've told you, he's a curse. He is a curse. He is a curse. I don't, yeah, I haven't watched a game with him where we've where we've won. I know, and that's the issue. Just, just, to, just to say this as well, I actually watched the, uh, the Man United game at the start of the season at his house. I know he did. That's why... Like you're, you're riling me up here. What, why'd you do it to yourself? Meet him on a Sunday, like, or don't meet him ever, whichever it is. Yeah, I'll try, I'll try ever. I'll do just go for you know, July, June, those are good months to meet him. World Cup final days, that sort of thing. It's actually really interesting to have a retrospective on the West Ham and the Watford games together because at the time, I think only the most rational of folks would have said that after the West Ham game. If they hadn't have scored a last-minute winner, there were so many positives, but the positives got kind of diminished because of the fact that we lost. Whereas if you look at the two performances together, other than uh, you can actually see how much of an improvement yesterday was compared to the West Ham game. But we played really well in that first half against West Ham and we were really effective. And I think a problem that we've got across the season that's emerging at the moment is uh, finishing. And... It's not that we're not creating the chances. Um, I think if you look at our metrics, they're very similar to uh, 
previous. None of the numbers are really changing. It's just we haven't been as prolific in front of goal, uh, which cost us ultimately last week. I am someone who believes Antonio was lucky to still be on the pitch because I think he could have been booked before the incident where he did get booked for assaulting Elan Melier. Very clever player, very physical player, lives on the edge. He'd just come back from a ban from previous. So clearly that physicality is a big part of his game and he's controlled it and being one of the best strikers in the league at the moment. And that was the difference. We had, although a lot of people, this is a massive monologue, people were criticising Rodri. I saw a fight. I saw a fight on, on the buses back into town. This two two guys who had clearly had a, a fun day out had a few few sherbets and they were saying, you thought Rodrigo was good today. I said, well, I thought, you know, in the first half, a few nice touches and he connected play well and obviously he started to move for our goal. And they're like, a few nice touches, good enough. And someone else went, well, who do you want up front then? Who else is... He went, Bamford. Like, you want to... So this guy's like, you want to start someone who's injured rather than Rodrigo. This guy was like, well, not when he's injured. I just want him to be fit now. And anyway, the bus pulled up and this guy was like, get off the bus, get off the bus. And he fell through the doors and then he squared up to him. And I was oh, like, dog. oh, oh. But that's what happens with a 90th uh, minute defeat. Feelings run high, emotions run high. And uh, it was all just a bit silly. But actually, we probably got a bit of positive momentum from the performance overall that they brought that confidence into yesterday. Do you have anything to, like having presumably watched back the West Ham game or the highlights. What what you, what are your thoughts? Well, I think like he said earlier around uh, Charlie Cresswell, I think he, he was so important getting the game time at, at Fulham to then slot in at West Ham. Um, and, you know, like, like you've kind of alluded to there, we matched West Ham for and were better than them for a lot of that game. And that's because we've been able to have players like Charlie Cresswell slot in and it not be a massive problem for for us and other people in, on the pitch having to to carry him. And I think we are unfortunate because you talk about Antonio and the difference is the edge, and the edge is what we what we need on our side at the moment. And that's not what we're getting from our attacking players. And we need we need it to come from somewhere. It does concern me a little bit, but I don't really want to dwell on that too much because you know we've had a, a win and we need to enjoy that. And there was tons of positives from the Watford game. I think Watford were were poor in comparison to to West Ham as a side, but equally, we went out there and we caused them a lot of problems. You know, our, our pressing was by the attacking players was so good. Dan James was like brilliant yesterday. I know Rafinha and um, Lorente got a lot of attention, rightly so. But I just think Dan James is is so good. That desire. I know that that word desire, like managers always talk about, and it is a very football sort of wanky word. But he has a lot of desire to 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 help get the ball back, or certainly put pressure on the team when we're not in possession, and it makes a huge difference. There's times where Ben Foster, you know, just sort of there's one where he sort of it rolled past him, and he ended up kicking out for a throw in, and then we're back in there third through nothing. So yeah, loads of positives. I just think the main thing is. Yeah, we need that edge. And I always thought, and it was pitched to all of us by, you know, Kinnear and Orta and Radrazani that and Bielsa as well, that Rodrigo was was the one this season who could really come alive. And he just hasn't yet. And I don't know when that's going to be, but I hope for his sake and ours, it, it does happen because we do need that little bit extra to 
help us get over the line in some games. I feel that with Rodrigo, it's a confidence thing. It Because you get players like that and it just looked like at moments where he could have burst through or his touch escaped him and it's like, oh, you feel for him. Feel for yeah. him because I think there are so many good things that he is doing and he's getting this opportunity to play where we probably signed him for realistically. Mm. We, we signed him there in case Bamford didn't fully cut it. So it's, um, I think, a good run of games is going to do him the world of good. I think but, he just he just needs to be like you say, more confident in his shooting as well. There's times where he's passing it and you just think you've got the perfect mm. opportunity to just leather it here. If you miss, no one's going to blame you. Just just do what the right thing is here. And I think that's that's probably cumulative of the attacking players as well, is that sometimes we're looking for the perfect opportunity when actually the opportunity that we have is enough. Just take a shot. See, if you take um, a Rodrigo P-roller passing it to the keeper and cross it with a... Dallas spank it into the stand. <laughs> Halfway between the two, you got you're getting some fantastic goals. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Dallas loves spanking it into the stand, particularly yesterday. He, he you know, he, he he's a fantastic finisher, but yesterday it, it completely escaped him. That's the thing, is it frustrates fans, but it'll frustrate no one more than it does him because I he knows Flick's, what he's capable Flick's of. Finishing's been poor as well at the moment. I thought Click what? was was a. I mean, he made such a difference to midfield and we and we looked sturdier mm. in terms of the running and overall shape. But his passing just seemed off to me yesterday. I, I'd, I'd need to look at it to see, check the stats, but it just fell off when it was in, when, when we needed an important pass to, to be through on attack. It just never seemed to really come off. So one thing you've touched on, Watford were poor, weren't they? Oh, yeah, they're looked, awful. They, they're like, you have to win those games. So it's lucky that we did. Mm. I um, was frequenting the lavatories when they scored their equaliser. So I missed it. So I can't really comment. However, I think one of the best things I've ever seen a scummy opposition player say is what Ben Foster said. He said, well, if it had counted, it would have papered over the cracks because we didn't deserve it today. Very honest. And I, I admire that. I think it's a, yeah, a good quality to have. And Because they were, they were absolutely dog awful. And I think we got lucky with that. Um, match of the day were adamant that it was a goal and that because I think Cooper had been pulling him earlier on as well in the box so yeah I don't know it, it goes both ways doesn't it because you look at the first half and Dan James was basically uh clotheslined in the uh in the 18 yard box so I was uh inside at half time and they were showing replays they showed five replays of different angles and it just got worse and worse because mm. I've seen people uh defending it like Leeds fans saying oh for me it's not a penalty it's just uh like nudged him off the ball, gone down very easily. It's like he's got the wrong side of him. The guy's got his arm across him and drag and like holds him to the ground and crumbles on top of him. There was a really soft one that we did get on Shaq in the right back position early on. I was like, that's it, that ain't a free kick. But like you know that if that foul happens in the penalty box, we're not getting it. Mm. And it's just it comes back to what it always comes back to with referees and uh, VAR. It's not consistent. They're not consistent themselves. And they're not checking the things. And then when if you do watch match of the day and you see decisions in other games, you're like left scratching your head because it's just it's just bizarre. I do think VAR is uh, that's that other one, the Newcastle one as well. I think we have Dan James to be frankly quick, and he's gonna get knocked over by players. It's just disappointing when we don't get the chance for click to p roll the penalty past the post. What you mentioned there, the name Shaq came up, and I think he was outstanding yesterday. I thought. You, you often worry for players that are out injured, don't you? And I, I worry for Luke Ayling because, you know, he's got to come back in against uh, uh, 
uh, Jamie Shackleton, who is really strong, really fast, brilliant at getting forward. And yeah, it must it must be hard for when you've got an injury because all of a sudden you feel like your your opportunities or, or your position is slipping away. But fair play to Shaq, you know, he's had to step up and he's been waiting in the wings for hey, literally in the wings for a long, long time. And um and he deserves it. He's a he's a good lad. He seems to just get his head down and just want to play and and I like that. I think Shaq is like we're not necessarily going to do a man of the match because we've watched a few, but I think Shaq has been my man of them matches i mm. thought it was brilliant last week until an unfortunate one against obviously antonio but i thought it was phenomenal both weeks so i saw someone best describe him i think as a pest like a because he wasp. doesn't give them a, doesn't give them a moment's peace danny rose was on his side wasn't he he looked different danny rose i don't think he got enough abuse but not that anyone should get abuse I mean, he didn't get enough chastising by the. He didn't. Fans. He didn't. He didn't get enough uh, friendly banter from the Leeds United fans. Is that what That's what I mean. Yeah, I'd, I'd yeah. never suggest abusing anybody under any circumstance. That's vile. So, <laughs> yeah. So overall, I think what's we're only one point behind where we were last season. Or if we no, if we if we win against Southampton, then we'll be after the same amount of games in one point behind where we were last year. So Southampton, this one where you curse it, Southampton up next, trip down to South Coast, managed to snag a ticket. They've got Ward Prowse suspended because of yeah, a red so card man. yesterday. So what did he do? Did he assault someone? Yeah, he assaulted someone. All right, that'll do. Narrative Despite closed. scoring, reckless challenge. Is That's best good for us. I know, and like, these are the little things. So Graham Smythe put in that, if you got uh, yesterday's result doesn't show that we're not in one, but it's the kind of result that's great if you are in a relegation dogfight or some. The wording was around a, a relegation scrap or dogfight, and I f- don't think that's helpful terminology to use six games into the season. So stop it. <laughs> well, that's it. And you look at um, I think Watford were four points ahead of us, but a significant number of places in the table above us. It just doesn't mean anything right now. The table is. It's not for looking at. It's just a structure to look at later on in the season. I think we just need to just keep going. Everyone needs to stay positive because things are looking better. What he said, to be fair to him, was against Watford, Leeds United didn't prove they were too good for a relegation scrap, but that wasn't the job. I just don't like being thrown it. Like I don't feel the need for journalists to throw the word relegation in at this point. But I saw that... Um, so Patrick Bamford's been out for the last couple of games... And I saw on the official podcast that he was quoted as saying that we're suffering about a second season syndrome. So is that true? Well, he he said that. That's what that's what it said in the uh, uh, an article that was uh, quoting it, saying that teams of uh, when you get up, it's it's surreal, really, and you're still on the crest of a wave. And teams you're playing teams for the first time, and they haven't figured you out, and ex- and now you have to be on it all the time in order to do the things that you want to achieve because teams uh, n- know more what you're going to be trying to do. So We hit like a, a peak point of of um, being a cohesive team last season. You know, like all the efforts of the last, of the previous two seasons and ultimately getting promoted from the championship, we were at the point where that group of players were brilliant as a team and then you'd got a couple that had come in that had kind of accented it nicely, like Rafinha, to help us push on and do well in the league. We're at a point now where the evolution of Leeds United is happening. You've got players like Shackleton who are probably, you know, I don't want it to sound harsh against certain players, but are probably up a notch. And Charlie Creswell, is he going to be up a notch again? And 
Dan James, and you think, we can't do that overnight. We're not going to, you can't revolutionise a team and just completely change the starting eleven. You know, it has to be gradual. And I think we're on the cusp of that, where we've got a few players that are, are very good and will help us kick on. And then there's a few players that maybe are a bit older and are slowing down or they've hit their peak or what, whatever it is. Like, you don't want to sound too harsh because I still have ultimate faith in all the players to do a good job this season but you know things things are changing they will change that's the nature of football we've seen it happen over the last 30 years of of supporting Leeds that's the way it goes I've got a two-part question for you yeah if fully fit who is our best centre-back pairing and part two is who does Bielsa think is our best centre-back <laughs> pairing and you can answer them in either order sure well does it I, to me it still doesn't feel like we've had a proper solid run of a of a, a set duo at centre-back, so it's really hard to say. On paper, you would think, well, Robin Cock and Lorente were, are probably the ones that you would you would go for. But Bielsa, I think, would pick Cooper and Lorente, you know, if it, because... And, and I think... And I do feel that that's right as well. You know, I still think that Cooper is a, a brilliant leader on the pitch for us. And I think the things that we don't see him do are the things that are important because he's constantly barking orders and keeping the structure of the team right and Lorente is just brilliant you know yesterday he was such a massive difference for us not not because he's got a goal um not just because he's got a goal but you know we just look so much better going forward as well as passing through the lines into like the top of midfield just just brilliant and I don't think he let anything really get past him yesterday that I can remember he was just just class and he was great and again I asked Matthew if uh he thought that Lorente was our best defender and he said he thinks Lorente is our best player. So I, I would probably agree with you on that. I don't think I've seen enough of Robin Cock and I certainly haven't seen Cock and Lorente play together enough. So I think Stroik and Lorente is our best pairing. But I mm. do think that Bielsa will always go to, for the foreseeable, Cooper. I mean, given over time, people may expect that our centre-back pairing for years could be Stroik and Creswell, as it, yeah. it, as it appears it could be. But... As you said, it's part of an evolution where Liam Cooper still has a really important part to play. And until he gets injured or older and run of games with really poor form, mm. then he's the club captain and he, that's what he represents and it, uh, it, he's going to be in. It makes me so proud to be a Leeds fan and um, seeing the setup of the club when you think, well, you know, like Charlie Cresswell on the face of it could think, well, I've got Liam Cooper, I've got Robin Cock, Lorente, Pascal Stroke in front of me. How am I ever going to get a game? then there he is playing against West yeah. Ham in the Premier League. It's phenomenal. And then you look yesterday and you've got Jamie Shackleton chucked into right back when Luke Aylin's out injured. You look on the bench and Joseph Geldhart was warming up yesterday, who I, th- I thought was going to get some minutes because I thought Rodrigo looked knackered towards the end. Mm. And you think that's, that is brilliant. Like that, that is the club that we, that we have wanted for a long, long time. And, you know, we've had to sell assets to try and stay afloat in the past and, we're in a place now where we obviously people yearn for signings because for whatever reason it scratches it scratches an itch. But for me, the most exciting thing is seeing the the youth players coming through. I think it's it's brilliant, and because I'll I'll always remember as a kid as well, like watching James Milner on his debut, watching Harry Kuehl on their debuts, and players like that. I know he's not a favourite of ours anymore, but we've managed, I believe, to get this far through a podcast without mentioning Calvin Phillips. It is the Calvin Phillips silence podcast, isn't it? It's like he is he is the furniture. He's not the furniture actually. He is the the steel frame holding the building up for the furniture, isn't he? And and what got me thinking about Calvin then was when you were talking about 
we've invested in our youth team and and we've really really gone for top grade talent from other clubs to bring them in and and have them ready to be able to step in at the point that they're ready or, or they're needed whereas what we developed in this kind of generation before that players have moved on calvin's still here but he's at a point now where it looks as though he's going to sign this new contract that either gives him what he wants to stay at the club on a brilliant deal for as long as he wants or provides the club that little bit more security around a potential transfer fee for the evolution of the next stage of the football club but he is something else he's so good like and he deserves it all and next week when he goes to play for england hopefully he'll uh come back in one piece and have another couple of games where England fans are going, yeah, he's the real deal. I can't imagine a Leeds United without him. It's weird It's weird to think that prior to Bielsa, he didn't play in that position as yeah. well. He's so well suited to it and he's so he's so disciplined in everything in his life, you know, not just not just on the on the field, but he's a, just a great lad and I hope he stays with us. I hope we build the club around him. But like you say, it offers us security either way, which is a positive thing. Do you think football's unique or do you think that like there is a Bielsa equivalent of other industries that could come in and look at you and go, I know you're doing this, but actually if you do this, you're going to be the best in the world. It'd be crazy. Yeah, he's a he is a visionary, isn't he? Injury front. I don't really want to end on negative, so we'll have to think of something else to talk about after that. But um doesn't look great for Luke Aylin at the moment. We've talked no. about Forshaw, Bamford's out, and that's what I think he was saying, that he hadn't run for 10 days, so he's hoping to get back running, and we'll see where he's at after the international break. Uh, Cox pubis. I've no idea what's going on with that. but It felt a bit like, you know, him saying it's his pubis felt a bit like something that shouldn't be said. It's almost like, he, I reckon Bielsa's now thinking, ah, oh, wish I hadn't said his pubis. That's quite, quite personal, that. So, um. I think it's probably the Luke Ayling one that's rumours of a, an operation on Friday. Yeah, he, apparently he's had an operation and um, I think Bielsa confirmed it as well. Um, oh, truth I don't of know, an operation. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, um, I don't know the extent of it, but it sounds, it sounds fairly minor and hopefully there's a quick recovery on it. Oh, that's good. He's going to struggle. Shaq's great. Yeah, he is. And I, yeah, it is, it is hard. But equally... You know, we have centre-backs dropping like flies and Luke Aylin slotted in there a few times. So I was going to say, I think that's where he probably <laughs> has a faster route back to the team. Yeah. Let's hope not. Let's hope that we actually have a settled centre-back pairing. Yeah. So, you got any exciting plans for the international break? No. I just wish Leeds were playing again. I like watching Calvin for England now. I'm quite happy with that, but it's not the same, is it? Well, are there any... In- there must be some under-23s fixtures. Surely it'd be easy to find this information on the uh, website. Surely. Surely. <laughs> but there'll be plenty of Legion United stuff going on over the next couple of weeks and you get the chance to follow plenty of our um, superstars on their international journeys. But until then, enjoy. There, this is a good one to finish on. There is nothing better than going into the international break on a win, is there? What a feeling. There is nothing better, you're right. We had one a couple of years ago where we lost and it was, oh yeah, uh, the the atmosphere around the club and fans was horrible, so I couldn't agree more, Paul. Look what we've just done to Watford. Enjoy that. They're finishing below us, surely. You would hope so. The end.
Sports Social Podcast Network.